it is. Horsemaster Jace threw an old wooden crate full of odd scraps of leather and metal to the side, revealing a heavy wooden footlocker bound in tarnished brass bands. Carved into the top was the emblem of the Talon Empire, a regal bird of prey with its talons clasping the world and its wings stretched from sea to sea. Though the Empire hadn't held lands past the peninsula since before even the Horsemaster was born, the imagery could still be seen blazoned across buildings and banners from Hawk's Ridge to Hookbill. The trunk looked as ancient as Jace, with knots and scars to match the lines and divots in the old man himself. Yet it was sturdy, reliable, and useful still. Haven't had to break into this old trunk since I started at the stables, but I knew there'd be a day for it. With a dusty creak, the lid opened. Wrinkled hands reached inside and removed a long bundle of cloth tied with a simple leather band. Jace turned to face Tim, looking up at the lad and then quickly down at the bundle. Tim saw some moisture swelling in the soft brown eyes. Horsemaster, I really can't accept Shit you hole, lad. You'll take it and you'll like it. And no more of this Horsemaster slop. You're not in her excellency's service no more. I'm just Jace now, if in your place. Horsemaster Jace was right about that. Tim had done the unthinkable and formally resigned his position to the barracks commander just that morning. In the wake of the events surrounding the Bombatton scandal, the Duchess loosened service regulations for the first time in a generation. A complete restructuring of the Ravenscrest garrison weeded out those loyal to the traitor John Meldare and allowed for certain individuals who demonstrated their commitment to the Empire to seek opportunities outside the military. Tim leapt at the chance. Sorry, sir, but it was you who taught me this respect, and now it's you who'll have to receive it. Aye, fair enough, lad. Well, show me some respect by accepting my gift, damn it. You going to eat out there adventuring or what have you? He shoved the bundle into Tim's chest. Metal shifted inside leather with a clink and a thud. Jace turned away and looked out to the yard where the new groom was leading a horse out to the barracks as Tim untied the leather strap. Cloth was an old banner, so faded Tim couldn't recognize the sigil, if it had one. Inside was a standard-issue Talon Infantry short sword. Tim wasn't permitted more than a dagger at his low rank, and truly had never worn a weapon, opting instead for a more utilitarian small knife. There was never a need for a longer, deadlier blade around the stables, much less an honest-to-goodness sword. No wonder Jace had kept his locked away. It was heavy. Back when I was your age, the Emperor, he was one of the Georges, uh, maybe Charles, doesn't matter, got in his mind that he'd be one to finally conquer the South. Let me give you some advice, lad. Our people were not made for the sea. Anyway, when we finally got to those jungles, I was glad to have that blade by my side. Just as glad as I was to put it in that box and forget about it. I suppose those are lessons you learn for yourself. In the yard, the horse reared, and the startled groom fell into a puddle. Some of the passing soldiers chuckled as the embarrassed boy scrambled to his feet and chased after the reins. Don't you suppose you have time to teach some lessons of yourself before you go, eh? No, I know, I know. Shame, though. All my years at the stables, I can't think of anyone, man, elf, or other, who had away with them horses like you. It's very kind of you, sir. I've always liked animals. And you had plenty of strange beasts out there in the big world. Some are tameable, and others monstrous. 
That blade there is for when you find yourself staring down the ladder. Go on then. Give it a turn about the yard. But maybe just give young Reggie a wide berth, eh? When you feel you got the weight of it, there's some nifty little tricks I'll show you. The old man rubbed his hands together with excitement as Tim unsheathed his standard-issue Talon infantry short sword with a slow, deliberate stroke. The metal scraped against the wooden interior of the scabbard, and a heroic shimmer rang out in the stable. Jay smiled as Tim brandished the blade, awkwardly attempting a fighting position. Stable hands didn't receive much combat instruction from the Talon military, so he attempted his best imitation of what he had seen in the training fields. One foot back, the other forward. No, switch. Aye. There you go. Jace was using the same tone he used calming one of the mares, but Tim ignored it and tried to do as he said. Now, raise your sword arm. As he did, the light caught the wide, fat blade and reflected into Tim's eyes. He grimaced, squinting hard, and blinked several times. Suddenly, the world seemed much darker. Darker than it should have, even from being flashed with a reflection. It was as if the sun fell into an eclipse, with only scant light coming from somewhere behind him. When his vision adjusted, he wasn't in the stable. He was in a wooden room with no windows. The ceiling was low, forcing Tim to slightly crouch. He no longer held the sword. He also wasn't wearing his formal clothes from meeting with the barracks commander, but simple traveling clothes. This isn't how it went, he heard himself think. That thought made about as much sense as this room. Horizontal wooden plank walls, plank floors, no windows, and looking ahead of him, the walls met, forming into a triangle. Our people were not made for the sea, Horsemaster Jace said a long time ago. In the empty space in front of him, the shadows from the faint light source swirled like an early morning fog. Tim tried to move, he tried to run, but no amount of strength or mind or body could force his legs to budge. The shadows continued to gather into more discernible and disturbing shapes. Tim's eyes darted across the mists. His eyes seemed to be his only free muscles. Picked out first a long, clawed hand, then a spindly, almost skeletal arm. The shadow by now had formed into a dense, black smoke, and the arm connected to a body of billowing terror. What is this place? Tim's mind raced. Why do I know this place? The shadow, now a complete upper body and humanoid head with a lower half fading into nothingness, slowly floated toward Tim. He could feel sweat beating on his forehead. The shadow's face tilted up as its spectral form inched closer and the walls around Tim seemed to bow and contort. Tim tried to turn his head, but he couldn't. Whatever this thing was, it was forcing him to confront it. His eyes wide with tears running down his cheeks, Tim looked into the face of the shadow and saw his own horrified reflection in two polished onyx orbs. Something was taken. Something owed. I didn't take anything. I, I swear I, I hate crimes. I Something is owed. The shadow had no mouth that Tim could see, yet the voice pierced his ears like a knife. The words felt cold, and Tim's teeth started to chatter. The shadow reached out with a clawed hand toward Tim's face, and only then he could see the smoky fingers tipped with sharpened onyx. 
Six otherworldly blades creep towards him, circling his head like buzzards awaiting prey. Still paralyzed, Tim had no choice but to watch as the claws dug into his temples, scalp, and cheeks with a burning white light. All the while, the reflection of the horrible procedure played out in the stones. Tim could see his own fear, tears streaming as the claws wriggled, searching for something... something... in his mind? Wait, what was that? There, behind him in the reflection... Something was running towards him. A creature of some kind, dark fur, maybe black, but impossible to tell in the black reflection. And horns? It was running fast. The reflection was doubling in size every second until the stones blinked. And then the eyes opened. And Tim saw the horizontal pupils of amber goat eyes staring back at him. The searing pain in his face was gone. There were two loud pops, and the shadow's face sprouted little horns. Two more and a pair of ears joined them. Then the shadow burst into a cloud of black, blue, and purple smoke, and Tim was face to face with an enormous black goat. He staggered back. He staggered back! A moment of joy broke out on his face as he regained his motor abilities, but it was short-lived as he found himself rapidly falling away from the goat falling further than the floor, falling still, falling through an endless sky of shadow and mist. Tim screamed in terror, screamed to go back, screamed for help. And then he felt a hand take hold of his and pull. Hey everybody, Grussell here. Thank you so much for listening to Chapter 2 of The Tim Story. It really is super cool that you guys are listening to these, and I hope that you are enjoying them. Uh, it was a surprise uh, for this season that I didn't plan on, but they have been a lot of fun uh, to write and record, and I hope that they are as much fun, or more so, uh, for you to listen to. Uh, especially because there will be more of Tim coming up uh, soon. Uh, the schedule, as a reminder, is, of course, this week we have a paralogue. Uh, we will be back to regular episodes next Wednesday, the 12th, uh, with the next part uh, of the Didrodon saga. Uh, and then the 19th will be concluding that session. Then we will have another Tim Paralogue on the 26th, and then we will have a week off the first week of November. That's November 2nd. There will not be an episode, at least not at this time uh i might do we might be able to fit something in um but it is uh it's not looking like it the width the way that october is shaking out right now so thank you so much for bearing with us as we get through this busy season and um you know we do uh, a little irregular schedule here but again we'll have regular episodes with uh the whole team on the 12th and 19th so, uh, looking forward to those, certainly. Uh, check our Patreon, patreon.com slash dndndpod, uh, commercial-free episodes, and uh, other rewards there, merch rewards and t-shirts and things. Uh, and, yeah, our shop, a uh, link to our shop at the Tee Public Shop is in the episode description. Um, Beth's shop will be open sometime in the future. Uh, she is working on that. Uh, where her art will be available. In the meantime, she is um, going to various conventions now, so um, when she is attending one of those and you will have a chance to purchase her art in person, I'll be sure to uh, announce that uh, if if the timing works out here. Um, But in the meantime, um, 
you can check out her stuff uh, on on Instagram and Twitch and the other things that she does. And of course, you all know about Dead Meat. So that's it for the plugs and uh, everything that we have here to talk about in these announcements. Thanks again for listening to these stories, uh, and I hope that you are enjoying them. Uh, just a couple of ads, and then we'll get to the second part. There's a change. What are we going to do? Ooh, exciting. Thanks, everybody. Do what's fun. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's all right, I've got you. Oof, this human was heavy. Nessica pulled her companion back into the cart's seat, using both hands to heave him up by a lanky arm. It's okay, just calm down. You're all right. It's just a nightmare. Dazed, the boy called Tim blinked and shivered, but didn't let go of her hand. I'm sorry, I, I, I must have... Don't be sorry. It's nothing you can control. She turned back to the road and grabbed the reins. Budo was trotting casually along a rocky trail in the direction Tim said his treasure had fallen. From his description, the bow should have landed nearby, but so far she saw nothing but rocks and dirt and the occasional crumble bush breaking the monotony with its spindly, brittle branches. I guess you're right. We all have nightmares sometimes. Well, sure. Especially humans. Nessica thought back to hearing merchants tell of unsettling nights in human villages where the screams would shake the floorboards. That was before she failed the trials, of course, when she could still attend the markets. Her cousins would supply the merchants with tonics and potions to ease the humans' rest, and they would mark up their price knowing how desperate the humans were. And the mist keeps swirling, she muttered. What? You're just in for some rough nights, I mean... Nothing you can do about it. Your folk aren't made for this place. Even the ones born here. Even the free ones. Essica knew there was a danger to traveling with a human. But this missing bow was the best lead she'd found since she was sent away. Anyone, from a lowly goblin to a demon lord, would be skeptical of a drow without command of her magic. And some would even compelled by old custom to turn her away completely. But this... Brightsider knew nothing of the traditions of this land, for better or worse. Oh, that didn't seem to keep him from the nightmares. She shrugged. Who's to say how a Brightsider will fare here? She glanced back at him. He was still clearly shaken from his ordeal. Whatever it was really rattled him. He seemed older now than the boy who, laughing, invited her on an adventure just hours before. She nudged him with a shoulder. Especially a wizard who lost his pointy hat, she teased. Tim feigned a chuckle and shook his head, sighed. It's a bow I have to, and I'm no wizard. But thanks for not letting me fall onto the rocks, I mean. My pleasure. You passed out almost the second we hit the road. Seemed to really need the rest, so I didn't stop you. 
Safe enough. Not much of anything out here. I appreciate it, Miss Nessica. I appreciate it, Nessica, Tim repeated with a hint of mockery, and he nudged her back, finally letting go of her hand. I do, though. He smiled and pulled the borrowed cloak tighter around him. As tight as it would go, anyway. Nessica's cloak barely covered his lean, square shoulders. But it was something, for now. Something to help shield his burned skin from the harsh, dusty wind. The burns from the acid jelly weren't too bad, but they stood out against his complexion. He was almost as pale as her hair. The wounds will need to be covered soon, or they'll never heal well. And if they're to be adventuring partners, he'll certainly need a better fit. If she could get over herself and make the connection, she could just conjure him some nice wyvern hide armor from the smiths at Elburn. Or maybe a Grey Flames tunic. Stop it! That's how you got into this mess. It doesn't matter anyway. Every time has been the same since the trials. The words are the same, the motions are the same, but she can't do it. Try as she might, she can't bring forth more than a spark. Maybe an ember, but never more. Never a flame. Nessica? Tim's voice snapped her attention back to the road. Did he notice her looking at him? That wasn't weird. She was just looking at the cloak. That wasn't weird. Uh, yeah, yes. What? Thanks for the cloak. They rode for some time over the jagged terrain. Budo's powerful legs propelled the compact cart over crag and crevice. Tim told Nessica the whole story of the outrageous events that brought him to help her free Budo from that trap of the fire at the barracks in his hometown, and the criminals who conspired to rule it, of the journey down a river to a sea, and then suddenly in the air, and of the battle with heroes and a great dragon. Now that's how I know you're lying. Who's that? Dragons have been extinct since the last convergence. Nisika, do me a favor and pretend like I'm a stable hand from another world. She shot him a sly smirk despite herself. Come on. The Convergence. You have to know about it. It was when the shadow fell and the bright side collided in the Cosmosphere, fusing the two realms until a giant war between elves and dragons blew them apart. It's why... She stopped. Maybe he didn't need to know about all that right now. Ignorance is bliss, right? He's been thrust into her world against his will and is already having the nightmares. No need to stress him further. At least not before they found this bow and she fulfilled her duty. Why, what? I don't remember exactly. History wasn't my favorite. Yeah, I, I never went to a proper school myself. Oh good, he wasn't pressing it. Another time. Maybe they can find some dream tonic. That'll help him rest, at least. I will say, Tim continued... Before yesterday, I never saw hide nor hair of anything like what was up in that sky. But I sure do believe there's at least one dragon out there right now. And now you're here, chasing a great hero's magic bow. That's right. I think you landed on your head when you fell. He laughed. <laughs> Maybe it would have been better than the jelly, eh? She smiled. Maybe. I know I would have been just fine once I figured out that trap on my own. I maintain we are better off as a team. 
That remains to be seen, sir. Tim, he said with a smirk. That remains to be seen, Tim. So far, you've only managed to send me and Budo on a wild weasel chase. And steal my cloak. Whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't steal anything. I would never do such a thing. Relax, I didn't mean it. I obviously gave it to you. Sorry, I... I guess I take law seriously. It's it's a big deal where I'm from. Sure, of course. Forget I said anything. She couldn't help but think of the trial. Of the arbiters looming over her as they announced her offense to the entire cohort. Of their stone faces as they wordlessly rebuked her arguments, letting her ramble about her intention and flimsy justifications. Every moment they let her speak, her case was another shovel full of dirt as she dug her own grave. An exile quest was the only recourse. She was banished until she could complete it. They sat quietly as Budo steered the cart around a large boulder, which led to a small, barren hillside. Budo stopped to graze on a crumble bush. Nessica let him. They could all use a break. She hopped down from the cart and held a hand for Tim though his height made the gesture more symbolic than practical. She offered him some water from her skin. Taking it, Tim sighed. Here's a wild weasel chase. Are you sure we can't figure out your magic somehow? Tim, I told you I... She stopped. What was that smell? I know, it's fine. No, there's something you don't need to explain. It was really me to ask again. Like you said, I should be grateful you didn't just kill me, and here we are looking for a bow, and gave me water, and cloak, and I should have a more positive attitude. Tim, what kind of bow was it you were looking for? A stormtail bow. Shoots lightning. I smell ozone. What? Lightning. I smell lightning. Just over this ridge. Let's go. Surprising herself, Nessica ran toward the crest of the hill. Without her cloak, her hair flew wild in the wind behind her. Her boots dug into the gravelly soil and her legs burned as the incline grew steeper. Lightning. She couldn't believe it. If the wind hadn't shifted, who knows? She may have missed it. It doesn't matter now. On the other side of this hill could be the very bow that Tim seeks. And if they found it without magic... Once he gets that weapon in hand, she'll be free from her exile and go home, finally leaving behind this hard and dangerous road. Wouldn't be so bad if even basic spells worked. Her sentence shouldn't apply to simple conjurings, but nonetheless, no flame. And it's been lonely. It's hard to trust folk in a blood zone. But things will be different now. As Nessica ran up that hill, she felt different. Tim followed right behind, one hand on the hilt of his sword. His long legs could easily outpace Nessica, even fatigued as he was. As they neared the top, however, he crouched and slowed. Nessica, though, was overcome with a burst of eagerness. Something was close. She could feel it. A tiny avalanche tumbled down as Tim slid to an abrupt halt right before the crest of the ridge. Nessica, wait! He called out. But she couldn't wait any longer. The smell was so strong, sharp and clean and crisp. What else but a powerful otherworldly object could cause that? 
The closest storm was up in the mountains, miles and miles away. Gods, she thought. What luck! This would all be over soon. The shame she felt as she left would turn into triumph. She couldn't recall anyone from her clan that aided a brightsider on an exile quest. This would show her smug uncle and the rest of the Arbiters. She'd march right into the temple, right up to the conduit altar itself, Tim by her side like a trophy. They couldn't keep her out then. Not after she... Oh, gods! The hill, in fact, was no hill. But the other side of an impact crater. Standing atop the crest, Nessica stared down at a charred, blackened hole as wide as a large room. While it was immediately clear something hit this spot from a great height with great speed, there was no bow in the crater. Just the lingering scent of a storm. Scorch marks and gravel turned to hazy, gloopy glass. What looked to be several corpses, roasted, crispy, dotted the hole. She felt a pull on her tunic and Tim yanked her down to his side. We don't know what's over there. Be careful. We need to take in the scene. Try to figure out what happened. He was whispering. What happened? It looks like your lightning bow exploded. Keep your voice down. It could be brigands. Look to me like we don't have to worry about them. Still, he said, drawing his sword. Caution. Something changed on Tim's face. Even with everything the boy had been through, he usually wore a mask of curious bemusement. In that moment, however, Nessica saw a determination she didn't expect. He seemed older suddenly. His jaw was square, his eyes more focused. She nodded. Right, let's go. Tim hurtled the ridge of the crater like hopping a fence, his sword out and ready, and then immediately slipped on a loose rock, tumbling ass over apple cart all the way down the crater, landing with his face smashed against a burned body. Nesca burst into laughter. <laughs> Was that caution? Shall I follow just as cautiously? <laughs> Very funny. Tim pulled a burned, broken bone from under his back and rolled over, stood and brushed himself off. Just get down here and help me look for clues. Clues? It's a very special detective technique. A technique he put into practice without giving her another look. He set about sticking his nose in everything, from the corpse that broke his fall to the charred rocks underfoot. Whatever happened here left us hints. If we can find them, we can piece together how these people were burned up like this. Nessica, with actual caution, shuffled down the inner slope of the crater. When she reached the bottom, she made a dramatic show of staying on her feet, to which Tim scoffed. Well, I still smell lightning. Is that a clue? Definitely. Tim wandered through the crater, picking up burnt branches and charred bits of armor or weapons. Looks like this was a group of soldiers. A patrol, most like. Look at all these teeth. Most of these were gator men. We must be near the black box. Excellent clue, Nessica. She stood a little straighter, but Tim was scanning the ground. But I think... I found something... even better. Come look. He was near the very center of the crater crouched over a particularly scorched body. 
One of the poor creature's arms was fixed aloft as if it were reaching to the sky when it was struck by whatever force ended its life. But it was the ground next to it that Tim was inspecting. Eh, he pointed with the tip of his sword. See this curve embedded in the ground? Yeah. And here, this pattern. Sure enough, embossed into the rock below a layer of soot was a clearly foreign texture. Almost like tree bark. She tilted her head. She could make herself see the arm's grip and knocking point of a recurved bow. Tim looked up at her from his crouched position. I didn't have it for long, but when you look at something of real beauty, you don't forget it. His eyes lingered for just a moment, and Nessica saw his lips curl into just the beginning of a smile. His excited, kind eyes fixed on her own, but when she, without thinking, started to return the grin, he snapped back to the corpse. This chap didn't seem to have as beautiful of an experience. Okay, so if the impact point was your bow, what happened? Tim stood, paced around the crater for a few moments, stopping to get closer looks at some of the other corpses, then at the ground, then at the slope, then at the sky. Tim... He stuck his right arm out straight, pointing off northeast, and then his left, pointing west. Tim, what happened? Do you know where the bow is or not? I have a theory. Aldrin told me that the detective's best tool was a gut. My gut is telling me that the Stormtail bow did not want these folks using it. When this poor guy here grabbed it, he let a blast of energy go that fried everyone here. Okay, but then where's the bow? We need to find it. How many usually run in these patrols? I don't know for sure. Usually six? Maybe eight? It, de- it depends. I-, I don't make it my business to get up close and personal with them. There are only five bodies. Nessica started to understand. Whatever defense mechanism was preventing the bow from being wielded by an outsider must have only had one charge. Hell of a charge, though it was. And look here, Tim continued. We fell down that side of the crater, right? But then over here, from the opposite direction, there's a bunch of footprints. Oh, jeez, these things had some massive feet. They overlapped too much for me to tell how many there were, but... Now, by this side... He ran over to another part of the crater. There's only one set. Running back up. Maybe two? Or maybe they fell. How many legs do these gator men have? Nessica was impressed. She can't honestly say she would have picked up on any of these details. Though if she were truly being honest with herself, she wouldn't have even looked in the first place. Once the bow wasn't here, she was ready to move on. Always looking for the shortcut. She heard her uncle's voice in her head. Dear Lord, what's that? She smelt it too, but hadn't been paying attention. Distracted by Tim's investigation... Now that it was strong enough for the human to notice, however... Oh, it smells like an open grave. Ugh! He put his sleeve up to his face and tried to shield his nose. How could she forget? Oh, the the corpses! It was just a matter of time. Tim, get, get down over here! She half whispered, half screamed as she ducked behind the blistered corpse of a gator man. Tim followed, his wrist still covering his face. Oh, what is this? It's a carrion lion. Be quiet. 
After the smell, the sound of displaced stones rolling down the crater was their next clue that something large approached. Low growls resonated through the air, shaking her insides as the big cat lumbered closer. Tim gripped his sword and took a deep breath. Okay, just another monster cat. Nothing new. You've done this before. He said not to Nessica, but to himself, and then started to rise. Wait! Nessica grabbed at the cloak as Tim turned to leap over to the corpse, but when he caught sight of the carrion lion, he dropped right back down next to her. Eight feet long and five feet high, the powerful, lithe predator had huge, razor-clawed paw up on the next closest corpse. Its enormous square head had no fur but tight, leathery skin pulled so close to its blocky skull that it scarcely appeared to have skin at all. As such, there was nothing resembling lips to conceal a foot-long maw of knife-like teeth designed for ripping flesh from bone. A bushy mane of crimson hair encircled its neck, and it looked like billowing flame when it shook its head side to side as the creature munched on its meal. You aren't going to get us out of there with that measly hunk of metal. It doesn't even look enchanted. That's a carrion lion. Its flesh is already dead. Hacking at it won't do any good. Already dead, but it's... I know, I know, but life and death work differently here. Trust me, that, she pointed to the short sword, is not what we need. The lion snarled and snorted loudly. A bone crunched and crispy shrapnel rained over them as the creature tore the body apart with abandon. Well, if you're the expert, then what do we need? Because that thing looks like it's skipped a few meals and it's almost through its first course. He was right. They were running out of time. Tim said himself he was no wizard. It was up to her. She closed her eyes and reached deep within herself, drawing on the hidden forces of the world, the secret passages that run through space and connect all things. She tried to focus her mind, and moved her hands in the gestures her uncle taught her, trying to execute them exactly. Why, carrion, lion, carrion, lion... Tim, shut up! Trying to focus. With all her concentration, she began to form the tunnel. Her hands stretched apart, and sparks filled the space between them. Come on, come on, she thought. She concentrated harder, trying to envision what it was that they needed, and a disk of energy burst forth. Of course! Tim, quiet! Damn it! I almost have it! She was doing it. She had this end open, finally, a, a flame. Now she could just get it to catch, to connect to the other side, to get them exactly what it was that they need. A chair! A chair? And with a pop, the tunnel closed. The spell was over. Anessica held in her hands a large, wooden dining chair. Yes, a chair! It's exactly what we needed! You did it! Tim hugged her quickly and awkwardly, then grabbed the chair from her bewildered grasp. And with a quick smile, he hopped over the corpse to face down the lion.
D&D and D is a More Park Media podcast and a Spotify preferred partner. Written and edited by me, James Gressel. D&D and D is performed by James A. Janice, Chelsea Rebecca, Beth Bradloff, and Mike Sagan.